All right, I'm just going to be honest. I do not remember the last time I came home and there was not an Amazon box or package just waiting right there on the doorstep. And that's not to say I have an endless stream of gifts and presents and big purchases. It's now just the little things in life. We are now just ordering tiny things like soap, detergent, socks, plastic bags, chapstick, candles, you name it. Why get off the couch, right? Thank you, Amazon. At least I don't think I'm being sarcastic. Honestly, thank you, Amazon. Now we don't have to go to malls. Truly, you don't have to go to malls anymore, everybody. I cannot think of one reason you have to go to a mall. In 100 years, malls are extinct. I do declare, in the year 3018, there will be no malls. Even the last time I went to our local mall, The stores are already sparse. The shelves are all kind of picked apart. A lot of the stores are closing down. A lot of the big chains have to have online merchandise for sale or else they're not going to survive. Most clothing stores that you remember, they're going to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. The actual locations are going to dwindle and then their websites are just going to carry the sales. Or Amazon is just going to usurp everything and suck everything up into that vacuum And that will be the only place we go. The big old monopoly. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, he's worth over $100 billion. That's a number we can't even fathom. We can't even comprehend that figure. $100 billion. But I'll try. I'll try to make it understandable. If a human were to count to $1 billion, it would take about 31 years. No joke. If I just sat here and counted to one billion, it would take me about 31 fucking years. That is how much one billion is. Jeff Bezos is worth a hundred billion dollars, even more. The Amazon cash cow keeps on growing. Some people don't even realize how much more one billion is than a million. If I was to count to 1 million, you know, things I will never do, but if I was to count to 1 million, it would take me 11 days. It just kind of gives you a glimpse into how much money we're talking about. So I'm not alone ordering little things on Amazon that just come to my door. It's convenient, of course, but it also adds a lot of time because we're all reading the reviews, right? Seriously, we just ordered curtains online this week. Took about three hours reading all the reviews, watching all the videos. And whose reviews are these? You know, just people throughout America and beyond telling me if they liked it or if they didn't. And there's always enough reviews to scare you or inspire you. There's always a few reviews, even if it's like 4.5 out of 5, there's always a few where you're like, "Uh uh-oh, this might be a shitty product. Ken in Kansas says that these blinds are transparent and they let light through. And Ken has altered my purchase. But then Pete in Iowa, you know, Pete says they've been working really well for his family and they keep the light out. I'm reading all of these reviews and all of these reviews and I realize I'm losing my whole night. I haven't done anything tonight. I'm just reading curtains reviews. So Amazon seems like it's saving me time, right? So if I was to just go to a store, ask an employee, hey, can you help me buy curtains? That process would probably take, what, 20, 30 minutes? But here I am thinking, oh, Amazon saves me so much time. But you read all of the reviews and then you rethink everything and it does kind of balance out. Or maybe it even takes longer. Amazon's going to kill the malls, the local stores, 
and even the local businesses that you want to support. See, I tried. I actually tried. Called a local blind store. I said, we need new blinds in the master bedroom. They came by, gave an estimate, 900 bucks. They said, 900 bucks, we'll install some blinds. And I actually said, okay, okay. They were nice guys. And then they said, yeah, maybe we'll be back in two weeks. And I said, okay, kind of want it now. And then a month went by, hadn't heard a damn thing. And I called and said, I got to cancel. Come on, need some blinds, need some curtains. And they understood. And they were even like, yeah, it was probably going to take even longer than a month. So Amazon curtains are arriving today on my doorstep. And yes, we will install them. And it won't be difficult. But how are these local businesses going to survive? How? I'm asking you this. You can't answer me, though. This is a one-sided conversation. You ever just drive by a strip mall and you see a little store in a strip mall like called Camera Repair? And you're like, who is going there? How do they stay in business? I have that thought a lot when I drive by these local strip malls and you just see a little, you know, sewing machines store. You're like, who? Who's going there? How do they stay in business? How do they pay their rent? It's sad. You know, I wish them the absolute best, but I just assume, yeah, they'll be vacuumed up into this Amazon machine pretty soon. Speaking of Amazon, you know, it goes way beyond just online sales. Their entertainment, what they're doing, it's almost comparable to Netflix. Streaming, not just movies and documentaries and stand-up comedy, but really good original programming now. I act like I'm breaking news. Most of you already know this. Amazon Prime. Not even sure people think of it like a great producer of original programming, original shows and movies, but they have so much money, as I've declared with an owner worth over $100 billion. If he wants an actor, he gets the actor. Every actor has a price tag, right? I mean, beyond integrity, if I won't take that role, it's below me, it's beneath me. Every actor or actress has a price tag. So if Amazon Prime original programming wants to put Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph in a comedy, for eight episodes, pay them anything they want. What do you want? We'll get the best writers, the best producers. What do you want? They name their price. Jeff Bezos shakes out his pocket, pocket change for him, and he could pay any actor and the best writers. That's why when you really watch some of this Netflix original programming, because Netflix is also printing money, Amazon Prime printing money, it's high quality. You can't deny that these shows are really good, really well-written, some of the best actors. You know, these Hollywood actors that you would typically see in big blockbuster movies, they're not doing the Amazon Prime and Netflix shows. It's the beauty of capitalism. Or it's the ugliness of capitalism. I'm not sure. But you go back and you look at what's on network TV, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. I literally don't know anybody who's watching these shows on CBS. And I only know of the shows because I still watch NFL football on CBS, and that's when they promote their shows. This week on Madam Secretary. Madam Secretary? Tia Leone is Madam Secretary. Who's watching this? NCIS? I've never seen an episode of NCIS anywhere. I don't even know what those letters stand for. But the previews, the ads, this week on an all-new NCIS New Orleans or Boston or New York or Detroit. They just show you, you know, people walking slowly in trench coats. Boring. Holy shit. And just retreads. You know, Joey Lawrence this week is the ventriloquist. Tuesdays on NBC. These sitcoms are probably not attracting big crowds anymore. I'm guessing. 
I listen to Bobby Lee's podcast, Tiger Belly, and he actually is on a network show on ABC called Splitting Up Together with Jenna Fisher and Kate Hudson's brother, Oliver. And he talks about it's his big break. You know, they pay me good money. So I tuned in and it was so brutally awful and unfunny. I was thinking, why? Why do this? And the only answer is money. It's not like Bobby Lee, an accomplished comedian. He's in some movies. He's got a good podcast. It's not like his dream is to be on network TV. He knows the script is terrible. These actors must know it. Even the quality shows, when people say the Big Bang Theory, is that still on? I can't sit through it. It does nothing for me. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. I haven't even checked the ratings. But David Boreanaz tonight is kicking people in the ribs. And he's swinging from the vines. And Fox, how many Sunday night shows do they try about outer space? What's going on? Who's watching this stuff? Amazon Prime programming is just going to build and build and build and build and take all the quality actors and all the quality writers until CBS, NBC, ABC are truly dormant. Goodbye. Outside of sports, goodbye. That's where it used to be, too. You remember the 80s and the 90s. You want to watch a show? Of course you're going to be watching CBS, NBC, ABC. Maybe a little Fox. But right now, there's not one show that would draw me in. I'm talking about fiction, talking about sitcoms, talking about dramas, not game shows. Jeopardy on ABC, that's still pretty good. And that's a tangent I could go down. We could just talk Jeopardy for a while. Who are these people, right? Who are these contestants? That'd be a great documentary idea. Follow some of these contestants. What are they doing throughout the day? How do they know so much? Mythology, history, geography, pop culture, the Jurassic period, the Elizabethan age. Are these people that dominate Jeopardy? Who are they? Are they just on Wikipedia all day? Just doing crossword puzzles? Never mind. We can't talk Jeopardy right now. We're too busy noticing how Amazon is dominating our lives. Our lives, people. This Wednesday on NBC, it's the guy who played Elvin on The Cosby Show in The Bagger. No thanks. Tuesday night, CBS presents a brand new show called Tony Taps, starring uh, Tony Danza. Yeah, and his name in the show is going to be Tony, and he tap dances. And it'll be on for seven episodes before you wonder, why is Tony Danza still in a show? Move over, Gregory Hines. Tony Danza's got the moves. Tuesdays, Tony Taps. These aren't even exaggerations. These are probably real shows being pitched. What do you say we give Ted Danson a new premise? I would use Alan Thicke if he was still alive for the next joke. Rest in peace, Alan Thicke. And that'll lead me towards a Growing Pains reference. All these TV personalities who used to view the mountaintop of that profession as network. Oh my God, a network sitcom? That's the gold in Hollywood. That's the gold at the end of the rainbow? Nope. I think we're entering a point now where it's just Netflix, Amazon Prime. That'll be the only thing in 50 years. I'm always envisioning the future, and I'm pretty certain that I'm wrong with these visions of there will be no malls and there will be no CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, because everything will be streaming. But there's going to be new competitors and new mediums that just make a lot of my comments look ridiculous in the future. But at least the way it looks now, we see what's new, what's hot, what they're competing with, and what all of a sudden looks very old. Societal observations, very easy to make.
Here's another societal observation. A lot of people out there, they know how to use special effects on their phones. And they know how to use the right filter and a quick cut and add a little music bed and maybe a a pop of fire or a firework. And special effects on meaningless videos have become the norm. We're making a lot of mundane things that we do, just a lot of boring, routine, average, everyday things that we do look really cool, and then they're being posted on social media. And it's kind of unintentional comedy. You know, think about the most boring thing you did recently. What, did you walk to your car to go to work? Picture that. You left your home. You locked the door. You walked to your car. You opened the car door. You sat in it. And then you went in reverse out of your driveway and took a sip of coffee. That's really boring, right? But I like to move it, move it. You had that song. Someone's filming you the whole time with quick cuts or even slow-mo walking. Slow-mo walking. Glitter drops from the sky. It's filtered in a lens that makes you look really cool. And all of a sudden, you just leaving your front door, locking it, walking to your car, pulling out and taking a sip of coffee. It looks magical. People are abusing the special effects that are now easily accessed on phones. I've seen this too many times. Instagram videos. I got friends who are making nothing look like something. Nothing looks like something. And sure, you get the likes. Like, 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 like it. But then afterwards, when you watch it, you have to be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I was doing nothing. It's the way it was captured and produced and presented. That's what makes it look cool. But the actual act of doing things, that's why movies are so fun. Two and a half hours, you know, they make a lot of activities look amazing. There's rarely a boring real-time scene in a movie. That's why they have montages. They cover a few days of dates or a few days of work with great music and quick cuts and special effects, filters, bells and whistles, and it's fun. But why are so many people attempting to just do that on social media and make it look like the things they're doing are so fucking fun? The next dog walk I take will be very boring. I'll be putting a leash on an old beagle who barfed three times in the house last night. That's a fun fact. That will not be a Jeopardy clue. But I'll walk him. He'll piss on a few bushes. He'll sniff a few bushes. We'll come home. That's boring. But if I add the music, who let the dogs out? And then I sped it up. Da-da-da-da. Boom. Fireworks above his head. And then I had a slow-mo walk back as another song. I did it my way. Not sure why I picked that just now, but could you picture this? Is it watchable now? Is this boring dog walk watchable? Sure. You'd watch that. You would do it. I guess it's kind of fun in this attention era we're in. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. I added music and a filter. A filter for a photo is a funny idea, isn't it? It's basically saying real life doesn't look good enough. Nope. Nope. What your eyeballs see, not good enough. Got to filter that out so it's better looking. And when people hashtag no filter, is there anything more annoying? (gasps) You took a photo without a filter? Thank you for letting us know that your photography skills are so superior to the rest of the world that you don't need a filter. Come on. Angry, cynical Josh. Here we go. Should we get away from that? Maybe I should point to some of the tech advancements that I like. I think I should do that. I think I'm just going to balance it real quick, because usually this podcast sometimes sounds like I'm just whining about this and whining about that, which I guess I am. Can't deny it. But as I'm getting swept up, 
swept up into the tech boom that we're just going to be in forever. I'm just going to ride this wave. How about medical advancements, right? <laughs> Is there a standing ovation going on? Podcasts are great. You can't see the audience. Can't see any of you. But when I go, how about medical advancements? Should I take a step away from the mic? Do a little applause break? Huh? How about longer lifespans because of medical advancements? But truly, man-made medical advancements, I'm not just talking about medicine, but what they're able to do, how they operate on our organs and our bodies and our tendons and our bones and our brains, pretty fabulous, pretty fab. You know, right now, I believe, I believe average life expectancy for men, it's about 77. For women, it's about 82. And I think these numbers are always changing, and I don't even know why women live longer than men. So life expectancy, 77 for men, about 82 for women. That's going to keep getting better, right? Right? In 50 years, isn't isn't it going to be like, uh, for men, it's 81 now, and for women, it's 87. And I only know this because it used to be different. You know, if I was living in the 1600s, if it was 1624 right now and I was in my 40s, that would be pretty impressive. By the time you're in your 50s, if it was 1624, you're just elderly. And if you make it into your 60s, oh boy, congrats, George Burns, you made it to the promised land. Why? Why are people living longer? Medical advancements. Applause break. Give them some time to applaud. Applause break. Give them some time to applaud. And longer lifespans. So I'm down with that. I think for all of us that fear death, which is most people, you hear about longer lifespans, medical advancements, pills, supplements, vitamins, meds, prescription, over-the-counter, whatever you got. Just give it to me all in a blender and I'll make a smoothie out of these advancements. That's the field that's more impressive than anything, than anything going on in Silicon Valley. What's going on with medical advancements? Applause break number three. They're probably clapping, but for dogs too. Think about dogs too. You know, right now, if you Google Beagle lifespan, it probably says about 12 to 14 years old, which is good. But I was once at the dog park, Balboa Park. I remember this. I used to go to Balboa Park in San Diego every morning at 6.30 a.m. with a hard copy newspaper. Not on my phone. A hard copy newspaper, a beagle, a coffee. There were a few other people who would come with their dogs. And one morning, there was this very odd lady very odd lady, so earthy, granola, just a spiritual hippie, probably in her 60s. And she walked right up to me and she said, what do you feed your dog? And I said, whatever's on the shelf, you know, Purina, Neutro, any kibble that's affordable that day. She was appalled. She felt the need to tell me how she cooks for her dog and her dog's going to live to 25 at least. And I was listening because just the concept of having a 25-year-old dog is kind of funny. And it's the morning, you know, when you just wake up and your coffee kicks in. It's actually a good time to be social. So I was talking to this lady at Balboa Park and she was telling me the recipes she makes for her dog. And she was saying, I could give you these recipes if you want to exchange information. And guess what? We did not exchange information, of course. And I've never cooked for my dog. I just rely on the fact that he will rob my fridge of things I've already cooked. So why would I be so direct? He's already going to eat my cooking. Why am I going to cook a separate meal for him? Just because I want him to live to 25? And do I? Do I really want my dog to live to 25? It's going to be a very sad day when he passes. 
but it's not going to be in his 20s. I'm just going to declare that. I don't need a 25-year-old dog. And for myself also. You know, if modern medicine is going to allow humans to just keep going and going and going and going, I think we have to answer that question. Do we all really want to go to like 130? What would be the ideal age? I'd like to make it to 101. 101, like the highway. That sounds good. If I could go to 101, then I'm very happy. God, are you kidding me? What a privileged, fortunate soul I would be. But if I had the option to live to like 250, I'd probably have to say, no, no, things would get a little dull. This podcast, here we go. Episode 3000. Hey, Amazon prime. Hey, Silicon Valley. Hey, sitcom talk. Yeah. You'd be like same old shit. Actually, you wouldn't even be the listeners. I'd have a new demographic of people that would probably listen and then say, yeah, you had a few good points and then some shitty points, but stay with me. This life we're living right now, I hope it's good for you. But knowing that it's finite, that's going to cause us hopefully to hurry up some of the good things. Hurry up the joy. And you're putting something off? Do it. Do it now. This thing called life is temporary. If it wasn't, if I knew I had 300 years, that would completely change how I approached life. I think. I don't know exactly how, but I think the fact that we all know it's temporary causes us to live or think a certain way both positively and negatively. I guess I can explore that comment some other time. What am I talking about? Oh yeah, medical advancements, lifespans, they're growing. They're growing. For every sad story we hear about somebody who got a disease, contracted something and passed, there's also a lot of stories out there of miracles. You know, people that come out of a coma after 10 years. People that were told you'll never walk again. And guess what? They walk again. You do see little videos here and there. Got my hearing back. Got my sight back. These modern inventions that are allowing people to do things that seemed impossible, like sci-fi. But when you hear stories like that, they are very exciting. In 100 years, this will be the futuristic podcast episode. In 100 years, if you're going to be born in 3018, the amount of diseases you will never catch is going to be amazing. The amount of time it'll take to recover from something like a torn ACL or a broken bone is going to be tiny. Guarantee. Yeah, I tore my ACL. I guess I'll be out for six days. Yeah, I shattered my femur. And they put it all back together in 48 hours. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run. I'm hoping any disease you can currently name, any disease in 100 years, that's how much faith I have in doctors, these great medical researchers. I have so much faith into what they're doing because you could see the evolution of their profession. They've already done so much that I'm saying we're not going to have cancer killing people. Alzheimer's, that'll be a thing of the past. I'm just wishful thinking right now, but it doesn't sound that crazy. In 100 years, if you're born in 3018, the amount of things you will not get is going to be fascinating. I hope, I hope wherever I go after this life, I can at least know what's going on on planet Earth. I'd still like updates no matter where I go. Maybe that's the sad part about dying is that you probably won't know what happened. All right. I did write three cool things to learn. Was thinking about this, this thing called life. We always have to grow, right? doesn't have to be such monumental things. Few little things. That's why I like new year's resolutions. Some people don't. Some people are cynical about new year's resolutions and go, why I'll just break it or why who cares? Doesn't matter. I'm a me and I've accepted that. No, I like a new year's resolution. So I wrote down a few things. Cool things to learn. I'm not even sure if these are resolutions. Resolutions sounds kind of heavy. But three cool things to learn. 
And if I could do these, I'd, I'd feel like life's a little more fun. Just a little more fun. Uh, number one, play harmonica. That's a tough instrument. You ever see somebody do it and do it well? I was watching the Jeff Ross, Dave Attell special, uh, Bumping Mics on Netflix. And all of a sudden they go, Bruce Willis is in the crowd. And he has a harmonica and he starts playing. I'm like, wow, Bruce Willis got cooler. How'd that happen? My grandpa Cy, he used to play harmonica. Amazing. You just put it in his hand. He could do anything. I don't even know how he knew where to put his mouth on a harmonica to play Happy Birthday. But he could do it. He could do a lot of tunes. Makes you look great. My dad has a buddy, Al, from college. Al could play the blues harp, folks. It'll make somebody who looks weak, nerdy, like a slob. If you put a harmonica in their hand, in their mouth, and they could play it really well, all of a sudden, they become a superhero in my eyes. I think that'll transform you. Not to say I'm looking for the recipe to be cool, maybe, but playing harmonica, just learn a few. And you got to really shut your eyes when you play it. You got to look so into it. You can't just lackadaisical play the harmonica. When you play the harmonica, it's elbows out, eyes closed, you know, painful look on your face. When you get those sounds out. And people will enjoy it. I don't know if these are New Year's resolutions or New Year's fantasies. Uh, The other thing I wrote, my wife, for her holiday gift, the old Elfster, she got a homemade canning book. Anybody? Canning? But basically it means homemade pickles. Never done it. Would love to do it. Grow the cucumbers, pickle them, your own pickle supply. Is that exciting? Hey, welcome to suburban America. I mean, it's going to be a wild year. We're going to make homemade pickles. And then lastly, I was walking through Central Center Fell and I looked into a window and it was one of those places where you drink wine and paint on your canvas. I know a lot of people have done that. That looks fun. And a lot of the paintings are good. I don't know who these instructors are, but if I could take a painting class and they keep the wine glass full, yeah, I'm in. That'll work. I bet there's something like this in every town in America now. Paint and drink wine. And I've never seen an awful painting. I don't know why. They just turn regular Joes into artists. And I want to decorate my new house with painting that was done under the influence of wine. Maybe not, but it looks fun. Oh yeah, and eat well. Now get into the boring resolutions. What are the other resolutions that just come around every year? Uh, Don't sweat the small stuff. That would be a good one for me. Oddly, I don't sweat the big stuff. I sweat the small stuff. The little tiniest things will consume me, but like big things, for some reason, they don't totally bother me. Isn't that interesting? On the Here We Go podcast. By the way, this name, Here We Go, Here We Go, it's from the Adam Sandler song about his car. Piece of shit car? You've never heard it? I'm going to pick up my phone right now. Actually, I'm not getting service, but I'm going to see if I could get to the beginning of this song because I love this song. It's a reggae song. Let's see. Will it play? Here we go. There it is. I'll do it again. Here we go. Here we go. Off his album, What the Hell Happened to Me? The way that song starts, those three words I've always loved. Not like he invented saying, here we go, but I say it so much. I figured, yeah, it's a good name for a podcast. I probably start a lot of statements that way. 
All right, here we go. I want you guys to listen up as a teacher. Bell rings. All right, here we go. Going to take attendance. I just got to throw in the here we go. Most people have verbal crutches, a few words they put together just to stall while their brain is thinking about something. For a lot of people, it's the thing is. Think about how many people you know where they start a statement like that. The thing is. Oh, what's the thing? Just get to the statement, right? Well, the thing is. That's the most empty three words. I guess here we go is as well, but there's a lot of people out there when they're talking to you. You know, Josh, the thing is, just say it. Just fucking say it. Did you see Mike Tyson let loose on a reporter yesterday in Canada? I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Number one, Mike Tyson is still famous and always will be. Hasn't fought in many years. He now does a one-man show that I would like to see. But growing up, I always wondered, was I a boxing fan or a Mike Tyson fan? The answer was probably Mike Tyson fan. If you grew up a kid in the 80s and 90s, those were the only fights you really wanted to see. You had to see. It was truly must-see TV, a Mike Tyson fight. They were usually quick. It's like if you ask somebody, hey, are you a reggae fan? And they're like, yeah. And you ask them, who do you like? They'd be like, Bob Marley. And that's the end of my list. So most people, really Bob Marley fans, not full-on reggae fans. I feel like that was boxing when I was growing up. Are you a Mike Tyson fan? Did I love the sport of boxing growing up? Probably not. I kind of do now. But Mike Tyson was so fascinating. It's like a pit bull. Just release this animal. He would sick the opponent. Sick him. And a train wreck out of the ring as well. So he's still scary. I always thought about that in sports radio. There was a phase in my life where we were getting A-list guests. Oh yeah, it's time to brag. And I was always thinking, you know, I don't get starstruck so much. It's part of the profession. You interview athletes, but you do have to ask them what the listeners or viewers want to hear. You never want to act like you're trying to be friends or too chummy in an interview. Ask what the viewers or listeners are tuning in to hear. And sometimes you could piss someone off. You know, if they're in the news for some negative things, you got to ask about it. You can't tiptoe around it. It's the role of a journalist. You got to be kind of fearless. But I always thought to myself, I probably don't want to interview Mike Tyson in person. That was the only person I was thinking I wouldn't trust. If I asked the wrong thing, I could easily see him mauling me. Just it'll turn into the greatest ESPN highlight. Tonight on Sports Center, Mike Tyson mauls a local radio host, and it would be highly expected. So I always thought it'd be maybe nice to meet him, shake his hand, but would never want to interview him, especially if there's something in the news that you had to ask that was kind of negative. And he will never soften. I know this because last night in Canada, he's on TV and this TV host asks him about him meeting with Rob Ford, the mayor of Toronto. He goes, you know, some critics, Mike, are saying that this could actually hurt Rob in his campaign, that he's having a meeting with a convicted rapist. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a pretty dated reference. Convicted rapist. Is he? Yes, yes. But it's 2018. Mike Tyson stops by your TV station because he's doing his one-man show. And this TV host went with the old convicted rapist reference. And Mike just let loose on him. He didn't attack him. But he's just swearing, just breaking out the profanity on live TV. And the host has to remind him, you know, Mike, we're on live TV. As if Mike cares. 
And Mike's saying, I, I haven't heard anybody say that it could hurt Rob Ford's campaign because he's meeting with me, a convicted rapist. He's like, I think you're the only one saying that. So fuck you. You're a piece of shit. What are you going to do? And he's saying all these things. And this TV host is going, calm down, Mike. Calm down. We're on live TV. Of course, Mike won't calm down. And then he tries to get back on track. So, Mike, what's more uh, nerve wracking? Is it boxing or your live one man show? Mike's not having it. And I'm just thinking, oh, buddy, it's still in there. It's still in there. This wild man just wants to maul him. It's going to happen. All these edgy TV hosts and radio hosts who think that they're going to have their aha breakout moment like all press is good press. That's not true at all. All press is not good press. It was just conjuring up these things in my head like, wow, when Mike Tyson comes into your studio, there is a chance if you rub him the wrong way, it's going to end really poorly for you. There's a montage of times this has happened with Mike. You can watch it on YouTube. Have you ever seen YouTube? Isn't it great? All right, lastly, ending with this. Have not seen a lot of movies lately, but we did sit down for Black Klansman. Spike Lee, love him. Spike Lee's one of those directors where I will just watch anything. Even if the preview or trailer doesn't look so great, I'll probably just still watch it. Kind of like Woody Allen, Quentin Tarantino. You know, some of these directors, you just got to see their movies. Because they're good. Proven. So Black Klansman, I didn't know anything about it. Nothing. Just that it was a spikely joint. And it's spelled B-L-A-C-K-K-K-L-A-N-S-M-A-N. M-A-N or M-E-N? Black Klansman. M-A-N. Okay. And right as the opening credits are going, it says some of this stuff actually happened. You know, like loosely based on a true story. So once you plant that in my head, then I'm just thinking all of this is true. It's not till after the movie where I go, I got to Google everything. Anything that's based on a true story, immediately I need the real story. Who's the real person? Same with most people. When you see a movie based, loosely based on a true story, you wonder, okay, what were the Hollywood liberties that they took and then what actually happened? So I'll just tell you what actually did happen. There was a black guy in the mid-70s who was hired by the Colorado Springs Police Department and he wanted to be an undercover detective. And these are just the highlights. I'll just give you the brief synopsis. And there's a classified ad for KKK membership in the newspaper. And he calls him up and he pretends to be a white guy to infiltrate the KKK. This guy, Ron Stallworth, the real guy, Ron Stallworth, who wrote the book. And then Spike Lee saw the book and said, I can make a movie out of that. That's an amazing storyline. There's always so many things that just look like Spike Lee creations. You go, was that real? And the truth is a lot of it wasn't. Spike Lee turned to this true story of a black cop infiltrating the KKK by using another white cop for the in-person appearances and in-person meetings, but really just over the phone, getting all this information. And it's not like, you know, and this brought down the KKK. It's not like one of those happily ever after. And this is how the KKK stopped. No, I wish, but that's not true. It's just an interesting story about how they got some top secret info. And the whole movie ends with them tearing up and ruining and destroying all the evidence. I don't really know why. I don't really know why. They ask the guy, Ron Stallworth, at the very end, you know, if he wants to become the new leader of their branch of the KKK. That's the real life story that I read in Vanity Fair. Is this just babbling right now? If you're listening to this and you have no intent of seeing the movie, are you like, come on, come on already? Or if you do have an intent, do you think I'm doing spoiler alerts? Spoilers? No, these aren't spoilers. The story, though, also involves Adam Driver. And Adam Driver plays a Jewish cop in the movie who pretends to be in the KKK. But that never happened either. I've never seen a movie 
that took more liberties to make an interesting story seem more interesting. And I don't know if it needed it. You know, Spike Lee's a great director. I've loved so many of his movies. Malcolm X, Do the Right Thing, He Got Game, 25th Hour, Crooklyn, Clockers. So many good ones. He's done so many good ones. This was really good, but I wish he stayed true to the guy's story. Because when you take all these liberties, it's like he felt it was necessary to embellish and add fiction. So what kind of movie was created? Fiction, in my opinion. It's so loosely based on this true story that I'd rather watch a documentary about Ron Stallworth and the real story. I think I'm going to pick documentaries over half-assed biopics that are just 85% fiction. But I will say this, without knowing anything about the movie, the star of the movie was almost annoying me because he sounded like Denzel Washington the entire time. And then I found out a day later, that's Denzel's son. And I went, oh my God, that's amazing. He's got talent, obviously, great actor. But I thought he was doing a Denzel impression. I didn't realize he just naturally sounds like his dad. It's like Colin Hanks. It's almost annoying. Tom Hanks has a son. It's like, you're just Tom. You're just doing an impression of your dad. But you're not actually doing an impression because all of us, in a weird way, start to develop the mannerisms and some of the traits of our parents. And when you see it in Hollywood, you know, Scott Kahn, James Kahn's son, you see little James Kahn and Scott, all these kids, all these kids who have these famous parents and they're now in movies, you just see it. Have you ever seen Damon Wayans' son? That's eerie. Damon Wayans, the great comic from In Living Color, his son is in a network show. I don't know what it is, but I saw an episode and it was eerie because he speaks just like him and he looks just like him. And for some reason... I don't love it because I can't shake it that they're trying to do an impression and emulate their dad. But with Denzel's son, it was good. So I'll give the movie an A minus. There it is. My Black Klansman review. Maybe my worst review, but I have to have a self-deprecating part of this podcast. So I'll just label that my worst movie review, an A minus, but the review was a D plus. Hey, it's finals week, kids. So let's go for the A's. That'll do it for episode 42. My name's Josh. I love you so much. Why did I say my name? I think you clearly know that by now. Leave a rating on iTunes. Do it. All right. Episode 42. It's in the books. Goodbye. Adios. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 